Qualcomm actually has released a new Snapdragon AR2 platform. And AR2 means that the whole thing actually is AR pure. Google is secretly developing artificial intelligence that can write its own code. From now on, companies will get a golden check mark, government officials will get a gray check mark, and individuals will keep the blue check mark. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to episode 40 of Tech Review. Every week we discuss the hottest topics in technology innovation and social media. And on camera four today, we have Chris. On camera two, we have Enrique. On camera one, hi, this is me, Tarek. <laughs> and of course, as always, Tech Review is a collaboration of Ideas Engineering, Free Tech Academy and Update.com. And you can watch all episodes on YouTube, but if you prefer to just listen to our beautiful voices while working out, driving a car or flying through space, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and all major podcast platforms. So, what happened this week? Let's start with Chris and... No, wait, that's the wrong one. This one. <laughs> Niantic. Yeah, that's a cool one. Yeah, um, maybe you got it. Um, that shortly Qualcomm actually has released a new Snapdragon, uh, Snapdragon AR2 platform. And AR2 means that the whole um, thing actually is AR pure, right? So there is no other purposes in that platform. It's really just about AR. And it consists of a, of a trio, actually, of chips, which are working together. And um, the company says, Qualcomm says, that it will make truly glasses-sized AR devices possible. So something like that here will be possible in the future. So all the problem which we had, like, with bulky AR headsets, everything, so that will be the past then. The future is bright and the future is here uh, neat. So this is what we are heading for. And um, indeed, there's a video in, in the article, we can see that, that we are on into getting into that direction. So it's, it's really um, getting neater and neater. And um, I think we are uh, on the right track regarding that. Okay, so how do they get that? Um, they have like um, a distributed workload between the processes, which um, makes that possible. And Qualcomm actually claims that the AR2 platform offers like 50% more power efficiency and 2.5 times better AI performance. And as you can imagine, therewith, um, they enable um, yeah, a, a much more compact form factor, as said, uh, where we could even say a stylish form factor. And uh, again, this is uh, what you see in the videos. Um, it's getting into a stylish direction, I would say. All right. So, and, and, the cool thing is um, that the um, the new glasses are not only like much more powerful, but they also have like more cameras as the ones before, right? In, in this scene here, we have like an AR2 platform and they are able to support nine concurrent cameras, nine, right? So everything you need to be, or to have like a, a realistic experience in AR, so is there. So you have a camera for the head tracking, for the, um, environment sensing, the whole slam thing and everything, uh, the user tracking tasks, all you need. With nine cameras, you can do like lots of nice things in augmented reality. And based on that, based on that whole concept, there is uh, a new reference design, which they have the, uh, released, which they have released. And the cool thing about this, 
is that it's especially built for outdoor use. And this is also what we see here in the video. And um, this is where actually um, Niantic comes into the game because Niantic actually has partnered with Qualcomm last uh, week and um, they actually want to operate now geotagged immersive content, right? So geospatial content. And from Niantic's side, actually, there comes uh, a system in into the AR2 platform, which is called the Lightship Visual Positioning System, the VPS. And as the name says, right, this has been designed for uh, distributing location-based AR content, right? So as said, this is the um, geospatial feature. And this, of course, enables uh, Niantic and uh, Qualcomm actually to accelerate and scale outdoor AR content. So, right, so now we have the chance actually to promote outdoor-ready AR headsets, which we see here in the video, dealing with outdoor AR content, which is geolocated on a specific um, location out there in the world, quite precise actually being located, and you can really interact with that um, just by the view through your AR glasses. And I think this is really a big step into an immersive future, I would call it. Yeah, and I'm looking I, forward to that. I remember instantly 2016 and you knew you saw this group of people looking at their phone, playing Pokemon Go at those different spots. And now it will be even harder to to recognize them because they would just run around with their glasses. And it's being like the same kind of situation because that makes brings also like games like Pokemon Go to the next level. Absolutely. Um, so they will that they will come back all of a sudden. And, and again, <laughs> again, it's Niantic uh, on the yeah. first line here, right? And together <laughs> with Qualcomm, I think this is really um, a striking combination and I'm really looking forward to what happens there. And if you look at the video with the reference model, this is really amazing. So I've never seen something like that um, beforehand, like with this uh, accuracy on the one hand, but also in this really neat form factor. I mean, usually mm -hmm. AR glasses are a little bit bulky and the field of view is small and so, and you just have like half the size of the glasses and everything where you can see through. But this one looks really good and you, you really have like see-through glasses also, big ones. And um, I'm, I'm really, yeah, looking forward to uh, what, 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 what's coming next. I mean, this is, this is not on the market there. This is, as I said, a reference model. But um, yeah, so... Yeah, can you scroll back in the video so that we can see the model once more or is like the the glasses itself yeah yeah it was in the very beginning okay, yeah, it was just briefly at the beginning i think yeah yeah there are various various ones and also a little bit later when the two guys actually stand together you can also see it looks like a sports glasses yeah. kind of thing yeah. i mean yeah you have this in the back that makes it a bit unusual but in general from the design it looks like it's like for running or i don't know yeah yeah sports exactly. activities so yeah. and and i mean <clears throat> if you would wear something like that out there in the world um you would not be recognized as a as a as a total fool right so <laughs> no <laughs> Maybe, okay, yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah. On a second look. <laughs> yeah, on a second view, yeah. On a second view, one might think that you, that you have like some kind of eye sickness or so maybe and need some special glasses or so. But nonetheless, I mean, we're getting closer. Yeah, right? So as said, yeah. it's a reference model and it's still uh, smaller than most of the glasses we had before. And uh, yeah. what, what is really cool is, halt, is, is the um, accuracy. And as said, it's an outdoor gadget right so usually with these glasses 
you have to be like more or less inside and you should actually um, turn down the lights and turn off the lights and so and then they work perfectly all right but if you get mm -hmm. outside then it's getting a little bit more difficult but this here um, is really made for the outdoor use which makes the whole thing really amazing and yeah. as said with the um, uh, geotagging so this is also some amazing aspect um, where we could really make the world outside an AR playground. Yeah, and I'm really, um, I, I really enjoy to see that people or the companies are still investing in this field because I, I really fear that at some point of time, like the people, all the people that are fired from Meta right now, they will stop pursuing this field because they might doubt that all these investments will pay out at the end. Yeah, because for, for yeah, since 2016, we are uh, dreaming about uh, having AR and VR as mainstream application, main, mainstream technology. But the market is always just this um, this handful of enthusiasts who really love this, uh, especially for gaming. But dreaming about having everyday use AR glasses that you can wear outside because they are stylish enough and they are efficient enough and they can display stuff in, in daylight. Um, this is always a dream. And so I, I really hope that we will cross this threshold where this, all these investments are then paying paying out again. And uh, we are always looking at Apple, but it might be that that this breakthrough or something like this breakthrough from Qualcomm is um, then the game changer. And I don't know, maybe um, Apple is just waiting uh, like for a chip like this to actually get their product going. I have no idea where they are standing with their AR glasses. And then we can finally enter this age of AR applications which is right now just uh, like in the prototypical state. Yeah, I mean, we had this discussion before, right? Especially with Meta now actually taking the term Metaverse a little bit into onto the dark side. So um, <laughs> <laughs> so when when people now read all the yeah, slightly negative articles about Meta and connect that in their brains with... Um, the the term metaverse then of course this is only half of the truth right so this is also why we for instance in our development um, and in our section do not speak about the metaverse as such we, we always speak like immersive development we speak about mixed reality we speak about um, an immersive future and everything because we want to take a little bit kind of a distance to this metaverse idea created by meta, especially since there's a difference, right? So mixed reality is not the same as the metaverse that had been claimed by meta originally, which was a hundred percent VR based metaverse, right? And so, and this is, this is something, this is a real world metaverse. Everybody of us knows that metaverse as a, as a term is not being defined. And if you talk hmm. to somebody um, or to, 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 to many people, nobody really has an idea of what the metaverse in the end might really be. It, it will be, it is some kind of overwhelming um, covering term, which probably in the end um, covers various platforms. So the mixed reality platform on the one hand, but also the VR platform on the other hand. And of course, it should be possible to, to have some kind of transition between those various platforms and worlds. But for us, and also regarding our development, um, we are actually indeed heading to the mixed reality thing. Yeah, yeah. And if we see these developments uh, now coming from Qualcomm, for instance, and also Google and Apple are uh, actually... Um, taking that train into into a mixed reality future, 
I see your point and I see your doubt that maybe um, the development with Meta might take the whole Metaverse idea, yeah, I said, a little bit into, into the dark side. But on the other hand, I'm also quite optimistic that the development in mixed reality is so different to the 100% VR Metaverse development that people can differ. And we also see the, the use cases, the advantages, and still the big companies really putting many, many people and lots of effort into this mixed reality direction. And we see success stories like this here, right? That yeah. I'm quite optimistic there will be an immersive uh, mixed reality future. Yeah, even though I'm always very, uh, very careful with these predictions because we did not really see the success here. It's, it's this prototype and we hope that they will be able to replicate this technology in a production environment and actually getting this product out to market. Right. Yeah. But it, it looks promising. Optimist versus realist. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, we will talk about it here. Right. If it's we will be the first ones. Yeah. But nonetheless, uh, just to make that clear, it, it, what we have just seen here in this video will not be the next mixed reality gadget in operation. It will not roll out the mass market by millions. But it is another step into the right direction, I think. And we are also clear that it's not only the technology of, of taking um, virtual objects into your visual field, right? So there's so much more. The whole platforms, they have to be secured, right? They have to be um, able to, to, to work with multiplayers and everything. Everything has to be synchronized. And so, so there's, uh, and, and of course, we need um, an economic system in there. Maybe NFTs, maybe not. That's also a big question mark. But it's a big thing. But on the other hand, it's also a big chance, right? So this new real world metaverse, this immersive future, whatever you might call it. And okay. one last sentence <laughs> as a bottom line, it definitely is fascinating. And I want to test it. I want to have this in my face. <laughs> and now this. And now the next one comes from me. And this is about... Google is secretly developing artificial intelligence that can write its own code. Yeah, you might remember last how week. How secret is it when <laughs> you not talk about it? <laughs> when it's in the news. I mean, at least someone <laughs> is talking about it. But if you remember, uh, like last week in episode 39, I already brought uh, like news about uh, <laughs> AI training another AI. And so right now I'm seeing a lot of these headlines where these AI systems actually become so powerful and so skilled that we are using them on this level of uh, operating with other uh, other code bases. Yeah? And in this case, Google is working on this secretive project, whatever this means, that uses machine learning to train code to write, fix and update itself. And with itself, uh, not only itself, but other other code projects. The project began live inside Alphabet's X research unit and then was codenamed, back then codenamed Pitchfork. Uh, and Pitchfork is now, and I, with Pitchfork I <laughs> always think about like uh, Frankenstein and the, the village the villagers uh, running with pitchforks behind this monster, right? Uh, but Pitchfork is now part of a new group at Labs named the AI Developer Assistance Team. And there's uh, Alexa Hitalsky I think, uh, formerly of Google X, and she is part of a team working on, quote, 
Building the Future of Software Engineering. For me, as a software engineer, this is very, very uh, interesting. Uh, the project's goal shifted over time to a general purpose system that could still reduce the needs for humans to write and update code. And Google and other tech companies have made already big strides in generative AI. So having AI building other computer uh, software tools. So technically, we are talking about code that writes other code. <laughs> But did you know that GitHub actually was sued earlier this month, this month, this, this year, I think, uh, because GitHub's Copilot tool, which is also a code generator, was committing large-scale software piracy. Yeah, the problem is that the AI is trained with a lot of example code, and this also includes open-source projects. And if now the AI reuses parts of th these open-source libraries, which it's learned, it might violate the license of the source project. So, yeah, in my opinion, AI code generators will play a huge role in the future of software development. But unless the AI is able to understand all these complexities of software licenses, for example, we won't be able to use it without the human supervision. And we will probably have AI code supervisors who will then scan and check the generated code for license violations. Um, but, yeah, this, this will then be the next step. Um, what what do you think? <laughs> will will we replace also software engineers in the future with AI code generators, the a pure no code future where we simply tell the AI what we want and it just programs everything? And now comes Chris again with why do we why do we need humans anymore? Or what was it last week that she said? Like <laughs> it's just Actually, another I said example. It every week. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, it's, it's always the same concept we are talking about, right? So there yeah. isn't an AI and there's another AI and um, they develop each other. They um, strengthen each other. So you have like the generative AI here and the, the, the AI is writing its own code. And, and this is not really new. I remember we had something like that already years ago. Of course, now it's probably more or less the same, but better and better. And um, even that, at that point in time, like two or three years ago, we had the same discussion. We were um, thinking about AI developing itself, actually getting itself onto higher and higher and higher levels. And sooner or later, it will ask itself, if you want to put it that way, <laughs> <laughs> why would I need uh, those humans any longer? And, um, okay, thanks for that. <laughs> it's a must-have. But uh, but no, I mean, okay, this is this is just only code writing. But I mean, imagine that um, idea on really big world problems like um, the uh, um, world climatic change or, or stuff. So if you think about like the pollution, we have everything in the world. And if if you would give that task to an AI saying, look, AI, now please check out some ways of um, actually reduce the air pollution and uh, anyways, the whole pollution in the world. And by the way, also stop the climate change and everything. And um, AI is like thinking about like solutions, um, green energy and stuff and whatever, and um, reducing uh, carbon dioxide uh, emissions, uh, things like these, right? So not really new, but that is probably the first AI will actually come up to. But then the AI is developing itself further and further and higher and higher and thinking in in spheres where human brains actually might not follow it might be unconventional and so in 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 the end and may it just be that there was also a little mistake 
in the understanding of what the AI learned. And um, so in the end of its uh, train of thought in this solution finding process, the AI might think, okay, yeah, of course we can save the planet and reduce the pollution and, and uh, save the climate and everything. We just have to reduce the number of humans on the world. So that would be the ultimate solution. So, and that again is something. And then, then, then you have another AI system um, actually playing around with um, nuclear weapons, bioweapons or so. And if, if, if these guys actually then work together saying, look, I have an idea, I want to save the planet and the other AI actually has like some media, some possibilities in there. This is of course um, a dystopic future, but make sure that this cannot happen in 10, 20, 50 years. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally, I'm not thinking so far ahead that I, I immediately go to human extinction. Um, but I, <laughs> right now I'm thinking about the blockchain, for example. Um, and the blockchain was designed to be decentralized. So there's not one entity controlling the blockchain. And so if we have, for example, um, this event of the Ethereum blockchain where the algorithm is changed to proof of work, this was so much work where you needed to have the consensus of the majority of the nodes to actually roll out this code change. And if you do not have this consensus, you can't change the system because this is the nature of the system. And now I imagine we have a software that writes its own code based on some goals that it is following up. And this system is creating a decentralized network of nodes like a virus on the internet. We won't be able to get rid of it because it will be mm. self-developing and self-distributing and creating this consensus mechanism with itself in, in a decentralized matter. So there won't be the system that you, you shut down. And this is basically what, what I'm afraid of. Right now we have viruses that go through the internet because they are designed to replicate themselves but anti-virus software is detecting and uh, removing it and protecting computers but imagine a software system that is actively working against this and keep evolving in a rate and speed that that we can't imagine because it's software and this is more the the fear that i have that the global it infrastructure will then simply get um, dominated and suddenly we have zombie computers everywhere and we can't shut them down because everything is networked and the whole economic system of the world is depending on, on our systems and we can't react fast enough to to adjust uh, to, to something like that. And I, I think this will happen before the AI turns against humanity. It will it, it might kill us accidentally yeah, by, I don't know, uh, taking up so many resources that we won't be able to have our critical infrastructure, planes flying, uh, falling from the sky because uh, uh, all the computers are busy calculating something against climate change. Yeah, it was uh, good intentions with catastrophic outcomes or something like that. Yeah, and, and I'm really looking forward. I'm really looking forward. <laughs> this is okay. Wait, for this is uh, the wrong are wording, <laughs> the, the wrong words. <laughs> no, but I'm really curious to see when we start effects like that, because Chris, you're right. We are talking for a long time for about these things like automatic code generations. But the thing is with GitHub's uh, Copilot or these tools that we are seeing right now, those are production-ready tools that are used by developers right now. And we have this whole revolution of no-code and low-code tools where suddenly people without programming skills are developing software. This is happening right now. This is what we are working with right now, not on a prototypical scale, but actually production-ready software. So we already entered 
this phase where software is writing itself. And uh, as we talked about last week, AI systems training other AI systems. Yeah, And so this discussion um, stopped being hypothetical. We are already observing these things. And now it's basically the question of um, what will happen next year and the year afterwards. And since we are so busy with trend managing, right, uh, like, like uh, observing all these trends, <laughs> it is true that this kind of headline where one AI tool writes another AI tool or, or one software generating code, um, it becomes more and more frequent. Yeah, and I, I feel that every week we have a new system generating other systems or training other systems and we start seeing AI tools asking for an attorney to be recognized as a human being. And in the other uh, area, an AI tool uh, generating art, <laughs> artwork, Uh, that makes like artists um, out of work because it's just better <laughs> in everything, yeah. And so these things are happening more and more frequent. It's, it's so crazy. So true. That's an interesting trend. Yeah, interesting and also maybe even a little bit frightening. I mean, it's like with anything else, right? So it's um, on the one hand a big chance, on the other hand also uh, might be a big risk. The truth is somewhere in between, and uh, it's neither bad nor good. So it depends on the user who, who does something with that or who actually um, puts it onto the way. Although that's not really true, especially since it's like a little child, since um, the AI is learning by itself. And maybe it just at some certain point on the road takes the wrong the wrong crossing or the, the wrong lane. And then something happens which you would did not expect. And then the, as you called it, accident happens. <laughs> <laughs> And that can be, um, maybe maybe it might not be so funny then. So <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I think put it I, nicely. Yeah, I, I think I will use this as a headline for this episode. Like but, uh, but accidentally maybe... uh, extincting, extinction of humankind uh, <laughs> while trying to solve uh, Yeah. Just one, one last phrase to that, uh, also as the bottom line. So um, we also, also not you, we had that very often, but again, what we have seen within the last 40, 30, 20 years as science fiction is about to become coming true, right? So at the moment, yeah. so we yeah. see that with, with robots and the internet and everything, AIs, and maybe also like AIs taking over and uh, then, then dominate uh, human beings and whole humanity. So this is also not new. In science fiction, you can find that uh, a dozen, a hundred times, so in, in various um, different variations. And um, maybe we are also at that point in time where this, what was science fiction, like some 10, 20, 30 years ago, is now about to become some kind of reality in whatever expression or variation we will see. But um, that something is going on, I think that is for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and this is only what we as human were able to imagine 30, 40 years ago. But at one point, I think it was, we also had this conclusion when we had the artwork AI discussion, but we do not even know what the AI can imagine to come out of that in the future. So this can be even more frightening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the end. This, this is yeah. what I meant with unconventional thinking, if you want to mm. put it that way, before. So um, we can't think out of our box, right? So we have our brains, we have our sphere of human thinking, mm. and that might, might be extreme sometimes, 
but it, it stays human. So we can't get out of that. But the AI is not human. The AI maybe is just taking its own ways, finding its own paths, and maybe also its own ways of thinking, which we would not expect. And maybe what the outcome is, is so different than what we could have ever thought of and would have expected that we might be just a little bit surprised. Yeah. Instead of bringing people to Mars, the AI starts bringing Mars to the people. That would also not be too healthy. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> not again. <laughs> And now this. And now we have Henrike. I kind of missed the memo on bringing a dystopian AI news <laughs> to today's episode. Oh, so let me end on a lighter note. <laughs> um, because we discussed it um, two, three weeks ago, um, the Twitter checkmark uh, kind of confusion and chaos. And um, on TechCrunch, um, they just published an article last week that actually this week on Friday, um, the new verification system, a more colorful verification system will be launched. And it basically says that from now on, companies will get a golden check mark, organizations or like government officials government officials will get a great check mark and individuals whether they're famous or not they will keep the blue check mark and um, so the blue will be used with the legacy verification or verified accounts and for everyone who basically buys twitter blue and spend those eight um, dollars that will remains the same it's also said in the article that twitter wants to manually authenticate all verifications before the new system goes live but there are some question marks with regard to that because first of all after all the layoffs they had this is a lot of work yeah. to do with a reduced workforce and they want to do that until Friday this week. So it's questioning like how thorough can they be in this process? And second of all, it's also the question, what does that actually mean? Because if you still can buy for $8 the blue check mark, what do they want to authenticate in that way? Right. Like, you know, <laughs> it does not really make sense. So another thing uh, coming into play, uh, what they added is that now you can also have a second icon if you want, if you, as an individual. Um, <laughs> just getting more and more confusing if you ask me. Um, you can indicate with a tiny logo that you're part of an organization. So you could get like a golden or gray check mark in addition to your blue one. <laughs> if the organization also says, yes, Tarek is part of my company or is a represent, uh, is representing my company in some way. Yeah. And one step that they want to take to stop those imposter accounts that we were talking about last time and the, the fake accounts and everything is that there will be a 90-day delay between account creation and then subscribing to Twitter Blue. But that's, I mean, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. So I read this article and I, I kind of, I was laughing because, I mean, in the end, it's just, it, it does not really solve the problem that they created for themselves. It adds another layer to it. It's, Twitter is becoming more colorful. 
basically. And it does not really solve the issue, uh, which was in the first place this long time process until you get a verification, until you get the check mark and that you could trust it. Because they could just start investing in how can we make this process faster and more reliable. Because now back again, they have individuals less than before doing this verification for different kind of categories. Yeah. So it's Yeah. And I always wonder, what is the goal <laughs> that they are trying to achieve yes. here? Because, I mean, yeah, it's great. Now I can have then three verification marks for verifying stuff. But I feel, is this really the biggest concern of this company? Did, did yeah. Elon Musk really buy this company with this whole purpose of, I don't know, recreating the perfect verification system in multiple layers and colors and everything? And is, is it really worth it, uh, like, breaking the whole company over that? I also read, uh, by the way, uh, I don't know if, if, if you heard, that he um, restored Donald Trump's Twitter account. So this is another yeah. thing where, yeah. where obviously the censorship of Twitter will be like changed right now and um, the mm -hmm. whole free speech thing will be um, like restored <laughs> in, in this way. So <laughs> I'm not sure if, if Elon Musk is really simply um, changing Twitter for his personal playground where he says, yeah, I have th this one specific vision where Donald Trump can tweet again and uh, everyone can have multiple check marks, whatever they like. Uh, yeah, but I'm I'm not sure. Not just Donald Trump, not just Donald Trump. Actually, also I think other accounts that has been banned or whatever mm. um, will be recreated. Um, yeah, but yeah. It's and and Donald Trump even uh, doesn't want to come back to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> right. So he Give stays with his own network. He says. Yeah, yeah, but 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 seriously. On on the one hand, I understand that he enjoys moving on his truth network because everyone on this network likes him. <laughs> so whatever he, he uh, shouts out there, people are cheering for it. Yeah, But if he actually wants to get into another uh, presidential campaign and he wants to speak to the rest of the world or... Yeah, as he usually did on Twitter, then he needs a global network like Twitter and he can't simply uh, chill on his in his personal truth bubble. Yeah. This goes into a different direction now, but just that you mentioned the truth network now. I remember that we were talking about you trying to also get into the right. network because <laughs> we were curious to see um, like what he's, I don't know, truth yeah. bombing there. You cannot say tweeting, but is, you know, are you still on the waiting line or did you get in or to, what's the progress? Yeah, there? to be honest, I, I installed the app on my phone, but I never really try to be active in there. So I'm not really in. No, I, I can try again. Yeah. But yeah, I, I kind of lost interest very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who can blame yeah. you? <laughs> but you're yeah, right. Like my, my investigative uh, journalist, hard uh, should try again simply out of curiosity now that he announced um, that he's going to run again for president even though uh, diff different topic uh, we, we are leaving the topic of twitter but uh, i really love that officially he never declared that he lost 
the previous election. So from yeah. his definition on, uh, he won, right? But if he actually yeah. won, he wouldn't be allowed to run in the next election because this then would be his third term. Yeah, so this is True. really weird that he never officially declared the previous election to be lost, but now running for his third term as a president. But that's Trump logic. That's Trump logic, exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, we are already out of time. Thank you so much for your great links. And even though we are moving more and more into a very dark and uh, disturbing uh, dystopian future <laughs> with a lot of AI building other horrific things, at least we will have very colorful verification marks on our social media profiles. Um, and at the end, I think Elon Musk news is always like <laughs> dystopian uh, weird <laughs> freaky news <laughs> okay thanks again and see you all uh, next week in tech review bye. bye bye if you are hearing this message you've listened to the entire episode and for that we here at tech review want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts we hope this new episode was valuable for you and if it was please leave us a review on spotify apple podcast or wherever you are listening to us right now share this episode with others who could also like it do you have a topic that you'd like to see covered in future episodes don't hesitate to tell us in the comments or on social media we hope you'll be back for the next episode